Hello Gems! Welcome to another episode of TRs in Tech. I'm your host, Shelly Benhoff, and today I'm talking to Maya Nijavan about the importance of financial freedom. She is the co-founder and COO at Finch, which is a great company whose goal is to help people save money, invest, and build generational wealth. We talked about how financial stability increases your independence and reduces stress, as well as some really solid advice for female leaders and entrepreneurs. Without further ado, on to the episode. Hey, Maya, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, um, Shelly. I'm so excited to be here. Absolutely. I have not had, I think, a star as big as you on the show. So this is nice <laughs> to have like a TikTok influencer. And, you know, I'm I'm finding people on TikTok now in, in my 40s. <laughs> I'm like, I, you're never too old for TikTok, honestly. Totally. It's a place to be. And I, um, I appreciate you. I think so much for having me here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you have a... Um, program or uh, for people to help um, spend wisely and save money. Um, tell us about Finch and how you started it and just the story of how it came to be. Yeah, absolutely. And it is, it's quite the story. I mean, um, for one, you know, my path to entrepreneurship has definitely not been a straight line by any means. Um, uh, what I would say is, you know, in some ways, I feel like I almost manifested Finch, right? Um, uh, my experiences, my values, my passions have all in some ways come together. So maybe um, what would be helpful is I just um, give a quick overview on my background, um, my own personal story. And what exactly, um, you know, led me to building Finch and I can share a little bit about what we're building. Would that be helpful? Perfect. Yes. All right. Perfect. So yeah, as I say, um, a bit of story time. Um, so my, my, my parents, um, they were first generation immigrants. They moved to Australia from India when I was very, very little with, with very little. And, you know, I watched them work excruciatingly hard to give my sister and I the access to opportunities and resources that frankly they didn't have growing up right and thanks to my folks I had an incredible childhood I was a really really happy kid and if I look back you know the only times I can uh, remember feeling genuinely unhappy is when I saw my parents under any kind of financial stress and financial burden and you know being the natural um problem solver that I am, of course, I wanted to help, right? And so from a very, very young age, I got really interested in personal finance and, you know, um, the role that financial wellness plays in our life and how we can go about attaining it. And, you know, that mindset is really what helped shape my career path. I have a background um, primarily within uh, finance and accounting. I'm a certified chartered accountant, spent sort of the first 10, 12 years of my career across professional services and corporate strategy. Um, awesome, awesome experience. But ultimately, you know, I had the realization at some point that at the core of each of my roles, ultimately what I was being tasked with was to help people or help convince people to spend more money where I was more interested in helping people to be smarter with their money. I mean, I myself have made a number of smart money moves and some 
not so smart money moves. And so, you know, because of that, um, you know, I, I've always been somewhat of a go-to person for financial advice among, among my family and my friends, helping people in that way is something I've gotten immense joy and, and fulfillment from. And so, you know, I, I wanted to help more people. And so that's really what drove me and motivated me to ultimately build the tools to help people put their money to work in a meaningful way. And that's exactly what we're doing at Finch. So, so a little bit about me, um, but more importantly about Finch. Um, so what we're building at Finch, so Finch, Finch is a financial wellness company, right? And what we've built is the first rewards card. And I've got one, where are you? I've got one right here. It's the first rewards card that invests and builds credit as you spend. The idea for Finch really came about, Shelly, as a solution to personal pain points that my co-founder and I had experienced. And having spoken to, you know, numerous, numerous folks at this point, um, we weren't alone, right? They were experiencing these challenges as well. I mean, 73% of Americans say that, you know, their finances are their number one stress in life. And I mean, we and I were talking about this earlier, right? Like, um, that's a shocking statistic, but it's somewhat unsurprising. And especially, you know, millennials in particular have had it really, really tough. Um, you were mentioning, you know, you yourself have been through three economic crises, you know, mm -hmm. it's millennials have faced the worst economic odds of any generation and they're already on the back foot, right? On top of that, we know that they're not investing. We know that um, they've got, you know, 43% of them have subprime credit scores and the financial system really isn't set up to help them turn things around, right? And it's costing millennials millions of dollars over their lifetime. It's really what is holding them back. And it's, um, you know, it's widening that generational wealth gap. And so my co-founder, Neil Ganu and I, we really wanted to build a company that believes in doing well by doing good. And one where, you know, when our customers win, we win. And that's, that's really where Finch was born. I love all of that. I'm, I'm sitting here like nodding, uh-huh, uh-huh, like, going through three economic crises as an adult and the first one happened the like while I was in college and mm -hmm. so I graduated college with a degree in computer science with honors I didn't have a job for like five months after college now mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I am a woman so that probably played into it too but even so like there should have been jobs available at that time. Um, I didn't tell you when I was uh, 27, I have not mentioned this in, in public. I declared bankruptcy. I had to, because uh, I had lost a lot of jobs. I had health problems and because I had health problems, I couldn't find jobs, but I needed jobs for healthcare. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. The whole system, <laughs> like, yep. not working for me. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. That's exactly what we're trying to turn things around, right? Is we know that elements of the system are broken. They're not designed to, um, you know, uh, in the interest of individuals. And that's really what we want to play our part in, in building something where, you know, consumers and individuals at the center of what we do and that's really, you know, at the core of everything that we're building and we're trying to stay as, as true to that as possible. Yeah, absolutely. I I also um, feel you when, when you're like at, at my previous positions, the point of it was to coerce people to spend 
more money or money maybe they didn't even have and that rubbed you the wrong way. I, I've definitely had jobs that, you know, that was their purpose. And I felt like I did not agree with that vision. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, the companies that I worked for, they were phenomenal companies with great products and, you know, um, the roles that I had were ex- awesome learning experiences. And I worked with incredible people, just that my values and my passion of what I was motivated to do wasn't quite in alignment. So um, I really took a moment to reflect on that when I moved to the States. Um, and, uh, you know, the rest is history. I'm on this path and wouldn't want to, wouldn't want to be doing anything else. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I want to expand a little bit more on why it's important for people to, you know, not stress about money as much and, and be free. What, um, benefits or why do you care so much? I guess. Why do I care so much? My goodness. Um, you know, I feel in my core, right, that financial freedom and independence is the ultimate source of empowerment, right? There, it really truly is, right? Like when you think about money, money isn't what buys happiness, but it can give you the tools and the freedom to live life in a way that makes you happy, right? And that's that's a value that in, you know, I grew up with um, my, you know, it's, it's something, a belief system that I held closely to me growing up in, in, in and passed down to me by my folks. And I really, truly believe that it's, it's the ultimate, ultimate source of empowerment. And, you know, although what, you know, financial freedom or that image of financial freedom looks like varies from person to person, um, the common part of it is that it's a state where you're in control, right? You have the ultimate power to choose how you spend your time, you know, um, on your terms, as opposed to needing to chase a paycheck. Um, You know, you're able to pursue the things that really make you happy, the things that, you know, you're really passionate about. Um, You can deal with, you know, unexpected, um, you know, like you say, health health situations and um, different, you know, unexpected events without being financially stressed or, um, you know, under financial burden. And most importantly, you're not reliant on anybody, right? You're, you're self-sufficient. Um, and I believe that that is something that everyone should have the opportunity to attain. Unfortunately, you know, um, you know, and I know that there's split opinions on this, but in my opinion, I feel that the education system really fails to teach us um, basic financial literacy, you know, and that is a core life skill that we all need. And then our financial system doesn't support us in really attaining it either, right? And financial goals and the stresses um, that come with money management are really the things that hold people back from achieving their goals. And um, like I say, you know, that's that's ultimately why we're building Finch, right, is to support people uh, in in making the most of their money so that they can live their best lives. Absolutely. Oh, so, so much to unpack there. The main thing I feel like, why don't schools teach how to do your taxes or you? Well, I would say balance your checkbook, but that's not really something we do anymore. Um, but still just 
basic things. I, I remember in college when I was doing my taxes for the first time, I was like, what is this? What, like, how do I do this? I don't even remember. Oh, I had my father do it because he's a <laughs> accountant, but like, I don't I, blame you. It's, I mean, it's an intimidating yeah. space. If you, you know, you haven't been exposed to it the first time you look at anything money related, it's quite overwhelming. Absolutely. And you're reading this like tiny print on the forms, trying to figure everything out and your head's spinning and it's like swirling vortex of chaos. Like you can't, you can't figure it out. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, the other thing is uh, that you're so much more free and independent. That's it. When you have a good savings, a good credit score, some assets, um, I can speak to that, especially in in the past five years. My husband and I improved our credit scores by like a hundred points or yes. so. We just <laughs> we paid off all all of our credit cards. We stopped paying interest. We stopped eating out so much. You know, like I I cook all the time, and, and that actually led to me losing fifty pounds because we were eating out so much. Like what, Shelley? What helped you? You know, on that journey, where did you? Um, you know, what kind of resources and references did you refer to? I think um, it'd be helpful for, I'm sure, your listeners to to know, you know, what 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 were, what really helped you in um, improving your credit score. Um, the main thing was I wanted to work um, like I I wanted to have a company, and I had one right. And then I, I worked too. So it was like, I, I had this thing that I was passionate about, but I couldn't get there. I couldn't make that leap and, you know, just have a un, unsteady, un, you know, knowing income. Like I, I still had one, but it was not as much as, as I was making, you know, at an actual job, we'll say. Um, so my husband and I forged a plan for two years. We saved, you know, as, as much as we could, we just spent less. Um, I think resource wise, it was, um, a lot of videos, um, podcasts and Forbes, um, and also nerd wallet. I, mm -hmm. I really like that site. Yeah. And just the um, explanation of interest, credit card interest. Mm -hmm. And I got so mad that I was literally paying like $500 a month in credit card interest. We had like $18,000 in credit yeah. card debt. Mm -hmm. No, yeah. <laughs> don't. Don't be and that's like what I mean. You know, that's that's that is the, the fire in me. Um, uh, it, it really wants to change the system around that, right? Because there's there's so many. When you look at the the credit cards that are out there, so many of them offer really enticing, you know, introductory offers and various different bonuses and really amazing, um, you know, rewards programs and that kind of thing. But where are we giving people the information around? Like, you know what? Like, don't just pay the minimum that's due. Make sure you're paying your entire balance up in full every month before the, not just before the due date. I made a TikTok video about this just now, um, before the statement closing date, because that's the balance that's going to be reported. And, you know, this is just not information that's, that's, that's shared by these institutions, right? Because if everyone started making their 
their credit card payments on time and in full every every month, the system breaks. Yes, which, which is not right, right? <laughs> um, someone should not have to lose for the system to work, and that's that. that's that's really that's really you know what we what we want to change. Yes, absolutely. Um, let's talk about generational wealth. This is a topic that um, is very important right now, especially for people of of color. They are lacking that you know aspect of of life. How does um, Finch help that issue? Yeah, look, that that's ultimately our vision as a company is to close the generational wealth gap. I mean, every member of our team is, you know, has a deep connection and passion for that that mission and 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 the problem that we're solving. And it it really stems from, you know, as I mentioned, millennials in particular, right? They have had it tough and they are not supported to invest and build credit. And while folks have been given the tools, like we were um, just discussing. They haven't been given the knowledge and the right incentives to create lasting behavioral change, right? The the onus is really on them as individuals to go and figure it out. And by not investing and building credit is what is causing millennials to miss out on millions of dollars over their lifetime. And that, as I say, is what is causing, you know, um, is holding them back and is widening the generational wealth gap. What we are trying to do at Finch and what we do with our, our, our first product, which is a Finch Rewards card, is we remove all the friction from the investing and credit building process. Um, and the way that we do that, you know, as I say, it's a, um, it, our rewards card is the first card that helps you. Can you tell them I'm proud? I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Show it off. Show it off. <laughs> oh, it's so beautiful. I love it. I can't wait to um, just feature this more in, in, in our content. But um, no, very, very proud. But yes, it's the first rewards card that invests and builds credit as you spend. And it's a card where, you know, there's no credit checks. And because there's no hidden fees and there's no APRs, it's a card that anyone can access and equally benefit from. We've been very deliberate about the way that we've designed this. And just by using the card alone, um, it can help you build over $1 million of wealth over your lifetime. Wow. And so that plays a big part in helping to close down that generational wealth gap. And as I said, this is the first product that we're releasing with, but as we, um, you know, expand our laser focus is on introducing other services and products that keep us aligned with our mission and vision to mm -hmm. close the generational wealth gap. I love that. I would love to see mortgages, honestly, people of good way to close that generational wealth gap is to stop paying rent and own property. Um, I purchased my home in 2015. Um, and as I was telling you, like a little while ago, it has doubled in value. If I sold it right now, the cash that I would get would be ridiculous, but I won't because I love my home. And, you know, mm -hmm. it's just nice to know that if, you know, shit went down and I I couldn't find work and, you know, whatever I could move, you know, um, hopefully that won't happen. <laughs> but as, as a millennial, I'm always prepared for that type of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So let's talk about leadership a little bit because I, um, 
teach that as well. Um, and I know as a woman in leadership, sometimes that can be hard. How, how has your experience been as not only a leader, but a co-founder? I'll stop by saying that starting Finch is without a doubt one of the best decisions that I have ever made, right? The experience itself has, um, and without sounding like a, a cliche, if it's true though, um, it's been a little bit of a roller coaster, right? There's been so many highs, but also many, many curves and dips along the way, right? And I'm not going to lie, it hasn't been easy. The process for any entrepreneur, any founder is, is challenging. Um, but as women and as minority founders, you know, we do face our unique challenges, right? I mean, to start, there's an epic funding gap, right? Um, a lack of funding is one of the biggest obstacles that women founders face. I mean, in, in, in just 2021, the year just gone, you know, women secured only 2% of overall venture capital in the US. Shelly, that's just let that sink in 2%. That's insane, disgusting. Right? <laughs> yeah. And when you hear about, you know, um, you know, the crazy stories like companies raising millions of dollars on a napkin idea, that capital is not going to women-founded companies, right? It's there's 100% gender bias that unfortunately makes its way into the fundraising process. For example, you know, what you'll find is, um, so my, my, my co-founder is a man, you'll find that a lot of the questions about opportunity and potential upside are mostly directed to men. And women are typically asked questions more around, you know, the risks and the downside, right? And we're typically held to a much, 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 much higher bar and unfortunately, you know, if, if we're not getting the funding and the support from the very, very beginning, it's drastically, you know, limiting our potential for success, right? And that, that's absolutely a challenge that um, I've experienced firsthand and is a challenge that all women and minority founders face. Um, on, a, on a separate topic, um, and one I think that a lot of people can relate with having been, you know, working from home over the pandemic, um, Finch was born and raised partially uh, it, during the pandemic, right? <laughs> um, I was new to New York City when the world shut down um, and, you know, not having set up or had, had, having had the opportunity to set up my support system was extremely challenging. Mm. I mean, I for sure rallied to build my connections virtually and absolutely not saying that you can't do that. But, you know, now with things normalizing, it's definitely become a lot easier. There are, especially in New York, um, a lot of founder support groups and events and networks out there. And that's why, you know, one of my main pieces of feedback that I give to founders just starting out is to make sure, you know, you surround yourself with supportive founder friends and, um, you know, go find, find your mentors, go get yourself a coach, because truly that support system is really what has helped me get through my roller coaster ride and is what for sure is going to get others um, through the process as well. Yes, that is such a good point. I, I say this all the time. Don't do it alone. You know, 
like I, I started my company and very quickly, I, I was like, okay, I need people to help with this. Like you can't do it by yourself. Um, and you really, really shouldn't. Honestly, yeah. you ask questions. I have an entire support network. I have, I have mentors who, you know, do the same, um, strategy overall and have helped me, you know, expand and all of that. Just, I am very, very lucky, but also smart that I built this system. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I would, I would echo that. I think you're really smart to have gone about building that support system around you. And um, in addition to it, it not being, it, it not being something you should do, um, why would you want to, right? Like, right. Why, why would you want to go on that roller coaster by yourself? Yeah. Roller coasters are way more fun when you've got people <laughs> with you, you know, you want, I mean, especially in business, different perspectives, different ways of, you know, tackling problems when you're going through the dips, but also you want your cheerleaders there when you're, you know, you're um, uh, accomplishing great things. Like you, entrepreneurship can be a really, really lonely ride if you don't if you don't have, you know, your support system around you. So yeah. I, I 100% echo that. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's also like you want people around you with skills to complement yours as well, because when you own a business, there's like, you know, accounting and vision, business strategy, you know, production of, of whatever you're doing. There are a whole lot of different things that one person really can't do. Absolutely. All. And that's, um, you know, that's, I think that's really what makes um, uh, my co-founder relationship. So our co-founder relationship so powerful. So um, my co-founder, Neil Ganu, I mean, there is no one that I know that understands the banking industry as well as he does. He's like the technical expert on our team and is able to see, you know, the way that the systems are broken and how we can rebuild them in a way that is in the interest of consumers. He's that, that, that technical um, you know, expert on our team. I, on the other hand, my superpower is just simplifying stuff, right? Like being the voice for the consumer and um, bringing the consumer lens to our team. And I think that's a really good complementary um, skill set that we bring, so. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, speaking of leaderships, leadership, what support um, do you really need in order to lead as, as a woman? As a woman? Um, but that's such a great question. And what I would say is women innately are phenomenal leaders, right? We all know this. In fact, um, women score higher on you know, a number of different leadership skills and men, and there's data that actually proves that. And, you know, I can talk about, you know, mentorship and leadership courses. Um, these are all great things. But, you know, I've, I've been reading a book recently that really opened my eyes to the fact that the reason why there are so few women in, in leadership is because the workplace wasn't designed for women to succeed in in the first place, right? What women really, really need to be successful leaders is a system that supports them in the way that they need support, right? Like a system where women don't need to adjust to the bro culture, <laughs> a system where, 
you know, they don't need to meet society's expectations around how they should be seen or how they should be acting in, in some way or the other, right? Um, I, I would say like a system where we aren't, like I was mentioning, held to a higher bar, right? And one where equal opportunity isn't, you know, an exception, it's the norm, it's the default, right? Like, I think executives in, in, in senior executives in organizations really need to check their own biases. And we really need to find ways to take bigger steps towards equality in the workplace, because I ultimately, I think, in my opinion, um, that is the best way that we can support women and, and um, you know, enable them to be the powerful, incredible leaders that they already are. Absolutely. I talk to a lot of women, obviously. Um, one of the, you know, normal, normal things that we feel is just that we have to be perfect all the time because that's how we're raised. Honestly, we have to be like, you know, skinny and, you know, not too smart, you know, but <laughs> smart enough, but not like, you know, un unequal, <laughs> you know, um, but, and it's, it's just that men are, are taught completely different things. Perfection isn't, isn't taught to them. You know, it's more existence, your existence matters. Whereas women, there are conditions to our existence, I think. Yeah, yeah. and I, I do, I, I highly recommend um, uh, this book uh, that I was mentioning earlier. It's, it's, it's by Rish Masujani. It's quite new. It's, it's called Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, it, it does focus on um, mothers in the workplace. Um, but I think that the content is there, in there is very relatable and very relevant and relates to um, all women in general. And I think one of the points that um, Rishma makes in her book is that, you know, having it all doesn't, shouldn't mean that you have to do it all, you know? Um, ultimately, we need workplaces to um, uh, adjust to, uh, you know, and, and give us the support in the way that we need to be supported, like I mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love her. And I love that you know where my quote came from, because that was from her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was I was literally like just watching that the other day. She has this amazing um, uh, TED talk where she just talks about how perfection is thrust upon women. And wow, that spoke so, so much to me. Um, and it it helped me to not care about being perfect anymore. I, I just recorded a tech, uh, conference, um, session. I forgot to turn on my studio lights. I wasn't wearing my tiara, which I, I normally do, you know, even if I'm, I'm talking about tech and doing demos and stuff. I didn't, I was just like, okay, oh, well, I'm not going to re-record that. It took me hours. Yeah. So. For sure. I, I've definitely been there. And it's funny, like you, especially in the world of world of TikTok, I'm sure you've seen this a gazillion times where people say, you know, it's my my videos that weren't perfect <laughs> that ended up just blowing up, yes. you know? So, you know, it's it's you're absolutely right. Like sometimes you yeah. just gotta let your, you know, 
just go with the flow and absolutely try and check all the boxes like we right. uh typically have the tendency to do right yeah and then um another thing you said is that you know overall we are held to a higher standard i think um that has definitely been the case for me in in tech you know code reviews and stuff like that and people are um a lot more critical of me um than other people it's it's not great but i think it is improving a bit now um but anyway yeah. i have no idea where i was going that but no go no ahead. and that's, that is that is i mean that's a really great example right because the conventional advice would be like well shelly you should be x doing x y and z more right but no it's not about like what more can we do to make women perfect it's about well what do we need to do to change the system so that these biases aren't holding us back, that the system and the workplace is designed in a way to let women succeed and to support them in, in succeeding, um, rather than, you know, the feedback that we're so used to hearing, right? Lean in, lean in and ha work harder and, and, and whatnot. So it's terrible I, advice. It's absolutely valid. <laughs> yeah, I have been talking about this a lot and studying it a lot, but the whole work week, five days a week, 40 hours, nine mm -hmm. to five, whatever that was built for men. That was built for men who had a person at home to do their laundry and cook and clean, have their children, take care of their children. <laughs> built for men by men, right? There. Yes, there you go. And so we're obviously in a you know, apex where it's not working. The pandemic has caused a, a lot of people to quit their jobs. Um, I I feel like I read that, you know, uh, small um, <laughs> business creation rose like 25% last year or something like ridiculous. So people are really wanting meaning in work and to be happy and to have like a flexible schedule would be nice. <laughs> yeah. I hear you. Yeah. It's, um, it's quite the time right now. Um, yeah. So I was, I was reading an article, um, or a, a TikTok that you did about, um, going outside of your comfort zone, I think. And I, I, I wanted to, talk about why is it important to um, kind of, you know, push yourself a little bit out, out of that zone? Yeah, totally. I mean, you're right. This is something that I spoke about recently. And, um, you know, the quote that I shared was, they say, you know, the magic happens outside of your comfort zone, right? And that is, that's like my mantra. I feel like, um, for me, time and time again, it's absolutely proven to be true. And what led me to talking about it a couple of weeks ago was, you know, I, um, TikTok's not new to me. I am definitely not an, an actor or, um, you know, I, I'm also a fairly private person. So um, being public on social media was something very, very new to me. But, you know, I, I wanted to go out and find ways to connect with our potential customers. I wanted to speak with people firsthand and hear about you know, the challenges and the pain points and the problems that they were having. And I wanted to um, share financial literacy with my community. And the best way to do that was going to be stepping outside of my comfort zone, right? 
And so I started doing that and it's just led to so many incredible things. I mean, first of all, it's done wonders for, you know, my own self-confidence, like um, that's been incredible. It's, it's enabled me to uh, connect with um, potential customers and people in our community in a way that I would never have imagined. Um, it's allowed us to gain so many insights that have helped us inform our product roadmap, which has been invaluable. And then most recently, you know, I got the opportunity to do a, um, uh, a TikTok live, my first TikTok live um, with none other than um, David Meltzer, who you may know as uh, the Jerry Maguire. <laughs> so, um, I mean, that would never have happened if I hadn't put myself out there, right? And I think that's just a, a, a small example of um, why it's important to, you know, give yourself the opportunity and challenge yourself to really get out there. I mean, comfort zones are exactly that, right? That your comfort zone, that's where you feel the most comfortable. It's where you feel super cozy and fuzzy, but that's really not where, you know, um, your, your, uh, your growth and, you know, your um, staying in that space isn't really what's going to help you grow and help you achieve your goals, right? So it's really important to get out and challenge yourself um, at the risk of sounding like um, an accountant. I mean, we're all a work in progress, right? Like um, we, we're, we're all building, we're all building ourselves up every single day. And I think that taking risks, regardless of what the outcome might be, are opportunities for learning and they're opportunities for growth, right? And I think, yeah, these are the experiences that really shape who you are and you, you really learn about yourself and um, become a better version of yourself. So definitely an advocate for stepping outside your comfort zone for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That is amazing that you tend to be not a public person, you know, because you have like hundreds of thousands of followers. <laughs> it's mind blowing, that. you know, it's, yeah. And it just goes to show that, um, being your authentic self, yeah. is enough right mm -hmm. like i didn't think that people would want to hear about personal finance from me but you put yourself out there and you really surprise yourself right yeah absolutely <laughs> and the other thing you said it's it's never the content you think that's going to be popular absolutely for yeah. sure <laughs> i feel like i i posted one thing i was just walking outside it, it wasn't even 30 seconds it was just a thought mm -hmm. and you know like thousands yeah. of views i was like okay yeah. And, and, and you know what the important thing is, I think it's um, just going back to what I mentioned, it's it's stepping outside your comfort zone without any expectations on what the outcome might be. Right. Like I started the channel really um, to. It was it was a, it was an outlet for me to try and reach out to customers. Right. And it was something that was going to make me happy, as I mentioned, like I always like um, sharing financial information. So it was something that I was almost doing for myself. And then, you know, there was no expectation, but it's, it's, it's really just, um, yeah, it's, it's mind blowing how things have just exploded and gone from there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's great. Um, comfort zones. I think, you know, people who stay in them don't really, um, grow as, as people. And I, um, mentor like, a, a lot, a lot of people. And I, I try to like push them, you know, gently, um, the people who are, 
not wanting to, you know, go outside of that zone will definitely let you know. And for some people, you know, that's just how they are. But for me personally, like I, I don't like public speaking. I, I have a moderate stutter. When I was in high school and college, I was that kid standing there, like doing horribly at a presentation, having people literally laugh and me being humiliated. But for some reason, I chose this as a career. That's incredible. I love that. It's amazing. Yeah. And I think like the, the key learning there is also like, you know, that the, when you say stepping out of comfort zone, it doesn't have to be a leap outside your comfort yeah. zone, right? Like that you can take little steps outside your comfort zone. And as you take little ones and you start to get this really sense of, you know, um, this gratification, you start taking bigger steps outside your comfort zone. And then you start your own podcast. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like this is a whole exercise in helping me to be comfortable conversationally, honestly, mm-hmm. this I love that. It's it's also helping um, presentation skills. And I love talking to people. And I'm so glad that I know so many strong women that I've had on the show. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so next question. Why do we need more diversity in uh, uh, f- f- fintech? Sorry. In, in fintech. Diversity in fintech. Yeah. I mean, we absolutely need diversity in fintech. I mean, first of all, to create more useful and more inclusive products and services that meet the needs of consumers today, um, that address biases and, you know, prejudices, you know, we need diversity at the table, right? We, what got us here isn't what's going to get us there. We absolutely need more diversity around, um, you know, tables and in decision-making uh, capacities, um, different perspectives are ultimately what help us think differently about problems and lead us to better outcomes and solutions, right? So mm-hmm. um, for sure, diversity is needed around, um, you know, the fintech space. I would also say, you know, from a consumer perspective, um, having experiences firsthand and hearing about this from customers, these days they want to feel understood, right? They want to deal with companies where they see themselves represented and, um, you know, they, they see themselves, um, a voice for themselves on the companies that they interact with. So I think, yeah, as I say, um, what got us here isn't what's going to get us there. And we, we absolutely need to work to getting more diversity into fintech for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, for you, like the whole program that you have with a card that doesn't require a, um, credit check that is a huge way to ensure that other groups other than white people are going to be able to access you know um investment opportunities and you know save money which isn't really a thing for most people i would say for sure and yeah. um that's what we're all about so <laughs> i love that yeah um so what advice would you have for anyone who is interested in creating a startup? Um, I mean, so many learnings 
so many learnings, Shelly. You and I can have another podcast just on this topic alone. <laughs> but I think um, there's two pieces of feedback that I, I usually share. Um, they're, they're two that you know I, I, I always come back to. And the first and foremost, it's in your business, if something isn't working, don't force it, right? If it doesn't matter if it's to do with, you know, your product or whether it's to do with your team, it doesn't matter what it is. If it's not working, you need to be prepared to pivot, right? Circumstances are going to change. You're going to learn as you go. Um, and, you know, as your company evolves, you really got to be open to being agile and adapting to the new circumstances, right? And I think that's, that's a really important lesson that, um, I and my team have absolutely gained over the last couple of years. Um, and finally, I would say um, the second piece of advice I like to share is make sure before you start your startup that you are really, really passionate about uh, the problem that you're solving or, or, or why you're pursuing that problem that you're solving, right? I think um, going back to the analogy earlier, um, you know, startups can feel somewhat like a roller coaster. And I think that that passion is really what helps to keep you focused and keeps you motivated as you're going through the tough times or the quote unquote dips of the roller coaster. And is really what is, um, you know, that passion is really what helps to push you and propel you even further as you're going through the highs. So yeah, those are, I would say those two have um, uh, really shaped um, and being key learnings for me. And I, I usually share those um, with early stage founders. Yeah, I love that. I cannot tell you how many times I've changed my business, you know, or just, just this year, it's at least yeah. three times because opportunities presented themselves to me. People will often tell you what your business should be, mm -hmm. honestly. Mm -hmm. um, I, I started out in... <laughs> content overall. Um, and, you know, earning a passive income with that also really helps to have generational wealth after I'm gone. If, if my content is still up and, and generating money that will go to my estate. I really mm -hmm. like that idea, but that's mm -hmm. not gonna pay me, you know, everything I need. So I've, included multiple streams of income, which I've also had a lot of mentors told me to do that. So <laughs> no, that's, that's really smart. And my mm -hmm. coach, um, the piece of advice that she gave me that relates to that is, um, uh, persistence isn't what you need to be striving for. It's resilience, right? Resilience over persistence any day. So, um, yeah, that, that's, that's for sure stuck with me. Absolutely. And it is a roller coaster. It can mm -hmm. be like you can be on top of the world one day and then you lose a contract or an opportunity or something. And oh, yeah. then you're just like, what am I going to do now? And you have mm -hmm. to figure that out. And it is hard. Yeah. That's right. Um, yeah. Well, we are coming to the end of our time. I always, always hate this part. I, I could talk to you for ever about money and startups. They're both so connected. Like mm -hmm. it's so, so important, but um, yeah, I just have enjoyed this conversation so much before I let you go. Can you tell people where they can um, connect with you online? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I would say the best place to follow me would um, absolutely be my, my TikTok. Um, my handle is at Maya Nichaben, which um, Shelly, I'm sure um, you'll probably tag to this post. Absolutely. Um, and I'd love for your listeners to check out what we're building at Finch. Um, our website is finchmoney.com. Um, I'd love for you to join the waitlist and can't wait to finally share. Share. This needs to have one more. <laughs> um, I can't wait to share Finch with you all, really, truly. And Shelly, this has been amazing. I really appreciate you having me here. Um, I really enjoyed the conversation. Absolutely. Same. Thank you so much for spending this time with me and chatting and having fun. It was great. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll have to have a tiara next time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thanks so much, Shelly. Thank you. If you want to support us, please like, subscribe, and share this episode with your fellow gems. Let me know in the comments what other topics you would like me to cover and follow TRs and Tech on social media. Thanks for listening or watching and have a great day.